So we will turn now to John chapter 6, our scripture reading. And we'll read the verses 47 through 59. I will be referring to some passages from from John 6 beyond these particular verses, but it's a long passage. So I'm just reading a representative part of it. So beginning at verse 47 and reading through verse 59. Our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Or rather, I was 47. I was supposed to start. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. So one of the themes associated with the Lord's Supper is that of spiritual nourishment. The Lord's Supper, we eat the bread, we drink the wine or the juice. Eating and drinking suggests that one of the purposes of the Lord's Supper is to provide nourishment, to sustain our spiritual lives. This isn't spelled out explicitly in any of the texts that refer to the Lord's Supper, but like so much else about the Lord's Supper, the theme is implied in what is explicitly taught, as well as how it connects with other passages and themes in Scripture. And the Scripture uses eating and drinking as metaphors for intake of truth into our hearts. And one of the key passages that does this is John chapter 6, the last part, where Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life and even goes on to speaking of, eat, goes on to speak of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now, the verses that uh, in John 6 which deal with this topic are not explicitly about the Lord's Supper, and scholars debate whether Jesus was thinking about the Lord's Supper when he spoke of himself as the bread of life. The reality is that the idea of eating and drinking Jesus, as it is found in this passage and in the Lord's Supper, And so it is useful to use this passage to think 
about the Lord's Supper. It's possible to think and preach about this passage without referring to the Lord's Supper at all. And yet the ideas are relevant to the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And so whether Jesus was actually thinking about the Lord's Supper or not, um, when he spoke these words, what he says here does help us to understand the meaning of eating the bread and drinking uh, and drinking the wine that refers to that is a symbol of his broken body and his shed blood. Now, there's something odd about the language of eating Jesus' flesh and blood. Eating him as the bread of life does not sound so bad, but once the image gets interpreted as eating and drink, eating his body and drinking his blood, it starts to sound a little weird. And that's for us who are used to this idea. For someone who is not used to this, this idea, it is very weird. And in the time of the early church, this kind of language led some of the unbelieving world to refer to the Christians as, as cannibals. But we know, of course, that Jesus is speaking symbolically, and the truth he is conveying is very precious, and that is what matters. Jesus is not at all hesitant to say things that offend people's sensibilities. And he also had a very good reason for saying whatever he did say, and we need to profit from all that he taught, even though in this case, the symbolism of eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood is rather strange. But Jesus uses the uses the metaphor of eating him as a picture of believing in him. He speaks about eating him as the bread of life. He speaks about himself as the living bread that came down from heaven. He says that the bread is a symbol of his flesh, which he gives for the life of the world. He goes on to speak of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and all of that points to the same thing. It refers to Jesus dying on the cross and offering himself to us as the one who died and who rose again. All this imagery of bread and flesh and blood, all of it refers to Jesus offering himself to us as the one who died that we might have life. Eating and drinking are symbols of believing. And what we receive through eating and drinking Jesus' body and blood is eternal life. So Jesus uses these symbols to give us pictures with which to imagine spiritual realities. And in the Lord's Supper, he goes one step further and gives us physical bread and physical wine or juice, which we actually eat and drink. These, are all, these all give us ways to picture the reality of Jesus giving himself to us as the one who died for us, and of us receiving him by faith. The symbols help us to understand and to appreciate the significance of both the spiritual giving and the spiritual receiving.
One of the truths behind the symbolism is that just as we need food and drink for our physical lives, so we need spiritual food and drink for our spiritual lives. Our bodies need food and drink. Food and drink sustain our lives. There's a fundamental connection between food and drink and life. God gives life at the moment of conception, but from that moment on, our lives are sustained by food and drink. Well, Jesus came to bring us eternal life. Remember what he said in John 10, 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Apart from Christ, we are dead in sin. We're alive physically, but we are dead spiritually. That's a fundamental biblical idea. Sin and death go together. Apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are dead in our sins, which means that we are slaves to sin and dead to God who is the source of life. This truth underlies the whole biblical teaching about Jesus and salvation. True life is experienced only in relationship with God, and the absence of that relationship is spiritual death. In this passage, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life, and he teaches that anyone who eats of this bread receives eternal life. Eternal life is spiritual life, and it lasts forever. It's the life that Jesus obtained for us by his death. We're under the sentence of death because of our sins. Jesus paid the penalty For our sins, by his death, and because the penalty was paid, he rose from the dead. And those who have this life are forgiven their sins. True life can only be received where there is forgiveness. That's why Jesus speaks here of giving his flesh for the life of the world. That's why he speaks of his blood here. Jesus died He shed his blood to pay the penalty for sin. And so he received life, and that life he gives to those who believe on him. Life is being accepted by God. It's being forgiven. It's being loved by God and loving him in return. And that life is eternal life. It is the life of the age to come. It is a life that will never end. Jesus says in verse 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So the imagery of eating and drinking are symbols of, of faith, and so they help us to understand faith. They give us pictures to help us to, to know what faith is and what it is like it's compared to eating and drinking. Eating and drinking are symbols of faith. Let's think about that for a moment. What we learn about faith by thinking of it using Jesus' symbols of eating and drinking. The most obvious point of the symbolism of the passage about eating and drinking is is the connection between eating and drinking and life that I already mentioned. Eating and drinking, physical food, sustains our physical lives. Eating and drinking, Jesus' body and blood sustains our spiritual lives. We encounter a difference here between, in this passage, between this passage, rather, and the Lord's Supper. This passage refers both to the beginning of spiritual life as well as the maintaining of spiritual life. 
So what Jesus says in verse 51, for instance, is evangelistic. It's an invitation for non-believers to believe. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Lots of unbelieving Jews listening to Jesus here and his teaching was an invitation for them to believe on him. But Jesus also speaks of ongoing eating and drinking that belong to the ongoing life of faith. Verse 56 says, whoever eats, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me and I in him. Once you begin eating the bread of life, you do not stop eating. Just as you need to eat and drink literal food to keep on living, so you need to eat and drink Jesus' body and blood to keep on living. This passage then speaks both of the beginning of spiritual life using the imagery of eating and drinking and the ongoing sustaining of spiritual life through eating and drinking Jesus' body and blood. The Lord's Supper is only about sustaining of spiritual life through eating and drinking Jesus' body and blood. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he was with his disciples He did not institute the Lord's Supper out among the crowds and invite everyone who wanted to to take part. The Lord's Supper was given to sustain and to strengthen those who had already believed. When Jesus was preaching to the crowds, he invited everyone to come and take and eat the bread of life. That was evangelism. It was not the Lord's Supper. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, only his disciples were there, representing the church. The Lord's Supper is for strengthening the faith of those who already believe. So the imagery of eating and drinking Jesus as the bread of life or his body and blood refer both to receiving eternal life initially, but also maintaining eternal life. And the Lord's Supper In the Lord's Supper, it refers to maintaining and nourishing the eternal life. In both cases, the imagery of eating and drinking is connected to life. Another point about eating and drinking as symbols of faith has to do with the relationship between faith and Jesus Christ. And this is where we see the, the relevance and the necessity for the strange language of eating Jesus' flesh and and drinking his blood, or eating Jesus as the bread of life. It's very striking imagery. And what it points to is the profoundly intimate relationship between the believer and Jesus Christ that is established by by faith. In this passage, you have a believer, you have Jesus, and you have eternal life, but the believer does not eat and drink eternal life. He eats and drinks Jesus' body and blood. And by receiving him, he receives eternal life. Eating and drinking refer to receiving Jesus himself. And with him, we receive the gift of eternal life. Passage also uses the imagery of coming to Jesus to mean exactly the same thing as eating 
Jesus as the bread of life. So verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes on me shall never thirst. Coming to Jesus and believing in Jesus and eating Jesus as the bread of life all means exactly the same thing. But what is central to them all is this idea of receiving Jesus Christ himself. We receive him as our Savior Salvation is a relationship with Jesus. You cannot separate what Jesus gives us, such as forgiveness and new life, from Jesus himself. And what this means is that when we believe in Jesus, we are united to him. He dwells in us and we dwell in in him and this is something that's very clear in the lord's supper we actually eat the bread and drink the wine the bread and the wine which symbolize jesus having died for us but who is risen to new life they are taken into our very bodies faith actually brings christ into our very being It's easy to understand that if we remember that Jesus dwells in us through his spirit. Through his spirit, Jesus actually lives within us. Paul speaks of this in Galatians 2.20 when he says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And what this means is that the eternal life that Jesus is speaking about in John 6 is not sort of out there as something that Jesus gives to us, but rather it is Jesus' own life that he shares with us by coming to live in us through his Spirit. The forgiveness of sin is not some reality that is just out there somewhere, It is Jesus' own righteousness that becomes our righteousness because we become one with him. And this is the meaning of the language of eating Jesus as the bread of life and eating his body and drinking his blood. Jesus makes it clear that faith in him makes us one with him we receive jesus into our very being so that his life is our life and his status is our status and jesus makes that explicit in verse 56 when he says whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and i in him The imagery of eating and drinking teaches us that when we believe in Jesus, we receive Jesus himself into our being so that he abides in us and we in him. And this idea is is explicitly connected with eating and drinking at the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says the cup of blessing which we bless, that we bless, is it not a participation In the blood of Christ. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The key word is participation. That word is not used in John 6, but as we've been seeing, that is the idea being conveyed 
by the imagery of eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ, we participate in Jesus himself. That's not something we can fully comprehend. We don't normally think in these kinds of terms. It's hard to understand exactly what it means or what it looks like. But the key with this type of thinking is just to follow the idea as far as Scripture takes it and not stress over the fact that this is kind of strange language and different way of thinking than we usually think. Jesus is speaking about a profound spiritual reality that in some profound way he and his people are one, are united together. And the best way to deal with this type of thinking is just to take it as far as Scripture takes it and delight in it. Delight in what it says and in what it means without getting frustrated because we cannot fully comprehend it. Here Jesus is teaching us that when we receive eternal life, that we receive eternal life through receiving him. That when we believe, we receive Jesus himself. And thus we abide in him and he in us. And that unity, that oneness with him is salvation. It's all tied up with our becoming one with him. And that means eternal life. We receive his very life. And that life is the life of the world to come. Well, that life is inseparable from Jesus himself. Eternal life is this close relationship with Jesus and the Father through the Spirit. It is a sharing in the very life of God. Another insight that we get from thinking about faith using Jesus' symbolism of eating and drinking is that faith is experiential. Eating is related to hunger and the satisfaction of our hunger. Drinking is related to thirst and the satisfaction of our thirst. And Jesus makes this point back in verse 35 where he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus, uh, this teaches us that Jesus satisfies profound spiritual desires. As human beings, we have deep longings. We have deep spiritual desire. There's There's a hunger that longs for satisfaction. There's a spiritual thirst that longs to be quenched. There's an emptiness that longs to be filled. There are desires of many kinds that long for satisfaction. We long for peace. We long for purpose. We long for happiness, for fulfillment, for relationships. We long to love and to be loved. As human beings, we are not complete. There is an emptiness that longs to be filled. And Jesus' teaching here about eating and drinking, him points to himself as the one who satisfies our deepest longings. If we eat his body, our hunger will be satisfied. If we drink his blood, our thirst will be quenched. 
In our sinful condition, we seek to satisfy our longings and desires in things like money and status and pleasure and human relationships. And human relationships come the closest, don't they, to giving us deep satisfaction. But even with satisfying relationships with other people, there is a sense that there is still something more that we need to be filled, to be satisfied. The reason that human relationships come closest to satisfying our souls is that they are closest to a relationship with God. Jesus' claim in this passage is that we are fully satisfied only in him. Verse 27 do not work for the meat for the for the food do not work for the food that perishes but for the good that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you in verse 35 again i am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst and psalm 63 speaks of this in old testament terms my soul shall be satisfied as with fat and rich food And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. This is a multifaceted satisfaction. It's closely related to receiving Jesus as the one who died for us and who rose from the dead. And that's where Jesus focuses our attention in this passage in connection with eating and drinking him. The bread is his flesh, which he gives for the life of the world. The blood is his shed blood, the blood that was shed on the cross. The satisfaction comes from receiving Jesus as the one who died for us and who was alive forevermore. That means that the satisfaction is rooted in what Jesus achieved on the cross, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, life in the Spirit, eternal life. The satisfaction that Jesus speaks about here in these verses is the eternal life that is the result of what Jesus achieved by giving his life for us. But as we have already seen that life, that eternal life is his life. Eternal life is one of Jesus' ways of referring to everything that he achieved for us. Eternal life is the opposite of perishing. Back in John chapter 3, it's being saved from condemnation. The one who has eternal life in John 5 does not come unto judgment, into judgment, but has passed from death to life. It is abundant life. That Jesus speaks about in John chapter 10. And according to Jesus in John 17, it is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Robert Yarbrough gives a helpful summary of eternal life in the New Testament. He writes, quote, eternal life is one of the unifying themes of the New Testament. It is a term that describes salvation that God bestows on those who trust and serve him. It denotes not only the length of time 
that God's favor extends to his people, but also the quality of existence that they may enjoy as they worship and serve him. So eternal life is not only about living forever. It's about the quality of life as well. This is the ultimate quality of life matter. And it is rooted in life with God. It's all about fellowship with God through Christ. It's about being loved by God and loving God. It's about the enjoyment of worship. It's about the joy of serving God. It's about love for God overflowing into love for people. While we are in this life, we do not experience all the blessings of eternal life in their fullness. We certainly do receive eternal life through believing in Jesus, but we do not yet experience the fullness of eternal life. And our experience of eternal life must be nurtured by ongoing eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ. And Jesus hints at this a number of times in John 6 when he refers to feeding on him. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Feeding is an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time thing. And that is even more clear in the Lord's Supper where the eating and drinking is to be done regularly until the Lord returns. We have eternal life in Jesus Christ, but it must also be nourished. This idea is inherent in the imagery of eating and drinking. We must eat and drink regularly, both physically and spiritually. And that is where the nourishment idea in connection with the Lord's Supper comes from. In the Lord's Supper, we eat bread and we drink the wine or the juice We eat the bread, which is a symbol of the broken body of Christ. And we eat the wine or the juice as a symbol of Jesus' shed blood. But by receiving the symbol in faith, we receive the thing signified. So by faith, we actually receive Jesus. We are actually receiving Jesus as the one who died for us. We are receiving Jesus as our Savior, and so our life is being nourished and strengthened. It's being strengthened in a special way because of the sacramental context. These physical symbols and actions have been instituted by Jesus himself for the purpose of nourishing our faith. And so, We not only hear the message that Jesus gives himself to us, we see it in symbols and actions. And we not only receive Jesus' offer of himself in our minds, we express that faith physically. We act it out. And the combination of inner receiving by faith and outwardly taking and eating also by faith is designed by Jesus to strengthen our faith and to nourish our souls. The Holy Spirit works in connection with our faith and the actions and to confirm to us the reality 
of Jesus giving himself to us and our receiving of him. I want to close this sermon just by quoting question and answer 75 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which uses a lot of the language and ideas that we have been uh, looking at from John chapter 6. Question 75. How does the Lord's Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits? And the answer is, in this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command comes these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Secondly, as surely as I receive from the hand of the one who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord given me, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we understand from this passage that our relationship with you is so profound that we cannot cannot understand it. We cannot picture it completely in our minds. It's about a spiritual unity with you. And yet you give, us, you give us these pictures, these images, these symbols to give us some idea of what we need to know and we're grateful for that. We're thankful that uh, you've given us these images of eating and drinking your flesh and your blood that uh, we are confronted with time and time again when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we acknowledge, Lord, that sometimes when we think of that, we feel rather squeamish. And yet, as we have seen, there's something so very profound in that language. And we pray that you would help us to, <clears throat> to appropriate that and to appreciate it, to understand it as far as we can, the very close connection between you and all the gifts of salvation. That we, not, that we may not think of them separately, but that we may think in terms of, of this passage and indeed the meaning of the Lord's Supper, that we receive you as our crucified and risen Savior, And in receiving you, receive everything else in you. Thank you for the richness of that reality. Use our meditation on it to strengthen our faith, encourage us, draw us closer to you, and may it be helpful for us.
as we actually participate in the Lord's Supper now. In Jesus' name, amen.